Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. We are here today in what feels like a little bit of a dead period, but we still got some NBA to talk about, some grumblings, some uh, rumors, a little bit of news. First and foremost, Ronan, always good to see you, man. How you doing? All good, all good. I'm feeling, feeling well rested. We took took last week off because there wasn't really much happening, but now uh, the rumor mill is is spiking and it uh, looks like uh, we're, we're on the verge of uh, some more deals going down. Yeah, I guess we've we've been a little bit more behaved, and I'm not freaking out over summer league over reactions or anything. But uh, I guess can, can we indulge a little bit? Is are there any anything that you've seen that you've been particularly impressed by, swayed by any new opinions, any changed opinions? I mean, I think the guys that we expected to come out and show their stuff are doing it, which is always a plus because you always feel in every draft class, everyone, the top guys, always come out and say they're going to be the guys. But these guys, in fairness to them. The likes of Bancaro and 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 Chet are really are really putting up and showing out in the summer league, showing that they can be they they can be uh, ready to play in this NBA. Dude, yeah, I, I think one one thing in particular is when you see some of these guys, especially like Bancaro, I think you realize that they're huge. I, I don't know why it doesn't show up in college because they're already bigger than those guys. I don't know if it's like camera angles or whatever, but like to see them on an NBA court and against other NBA talent, like. They just look, they look the part of these just massive modern NBA players that don't really fit any mold. But yeah, dude, Van Caro, I think he's been easily my favorite player I've seen so far. Um, actually, I lied. I lied. I got to put a name out there. And I've, I've sent you his highlights, and I can't believe you missed it. But Kenny Lofton Jr., people, <laughs> Kenny Lofton Jr. from the Memphis Grizzlies. Go watch him. If you have not seen him yet, I, I don't even know what to make of this. This is, I think he was drafted, what, 23rd? That was a pick that they got by by sending off uh, Melton to the 76ers. And then they got this this guy that they showed the they showed the highlights. I'm like, who, who is this? You have no idea who he is. Didn't care. And that first game against Chet, dude, just like th- threw him into like the third row. <laughs> <laughs> guy is 270, 6'7" basically like a below the rim Zion. Like I I'm pretty excited to, to see what he has for the league. As if you need another reason to love the Grizzlies, huh? Right. Yeah. They always just hit on these guys. Like these, these like in, in a good way, these weirdos like that, that's just this guy like you don't see a player of that size with like the handle, the open court handle that the jump shot and all that. So it, it's, you always see uh, somebody interesting in the summer league. I, I think that's my guy. I think that's my guy. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair pick. When you see what he did to Chet Holmgren, you're you, you got to stand up and take notice of that guy. <laughs> the buzzer beater, thirty three footer, man. Put put that put that in uh, the summer league hall of fame. <laughs> All right, let's let's not let's not let's not get too carried away with summer league. Let's talk some NBA. And the the main story that's catching wind at the moment is the future of DeAndre Ayton. Brian Winhorst reporting today that a deal to for him to join the Indiana Pacers is getting closer and closer each day. Is that a good move for Aiden, and is that a good move for the Pacers? What do you think? I, I think it's perfect timing, man. We were just – I think this was our top of our list and uh, what we wanted to talk about, like what teams should and can be offering Aiden to Max. And the Pacers rounded out uh, one of my top teams there. Um, so just to talk about that, I think this is perfect because they are clearly set on rebuilding. They're invested in Tyrese Halliburton. They're invested in, uh, Matherin. We'll see how he pans out. But, uh, I think that the question is for, for Aiden that that I think I've thought about the most is what team is going to optimize him as a player, as an individual, not just as a piece to a championship team. Cause I think that was, that was what he was to the Suns. He was a very solid, big he was proficient in pick and roll. He was proficient as a drop defender, and he was getting he was getting pretty good at a lot of different things. And I think that was that was what he did. He accepted a role on championship team. I think you find a team that views him as a former number one pick, as a blue chip talent, as a future all star caliber player. Then I think that's a team that's that should be doing that. And the Pacers, I think they have the room to do that. They have they're trying to get Miles Turner out of there. I don't know if this is ultimately going to come down to a sign and trade. Um, but I think Pacers, if they do move off of Miles Turner, I think they do have the environment that is perfect for him to grow there. 
Yeah, I think I'd 100% agree. I think that the Pacers, uh, we've we've both been kind of confused about what the plan seems to be out there in Indiana over the last couple of years, but it seems now they're they're investing in their young guys and to be able to bring a caliber player like Aiton to the within that team as well, it'll be a really good fit and he'll be able to grow in a way that he probably can't with um, the Phoenix Suns because Phoenix Suns are a team that are looking to go and win a championship now and for Aiton to really fulfill his potential he probably needs to be in an environment like Indiana where they can work on the little parts of his game that haven't fully developed yet that we thought might be here by now when he was getting drafted and he could have that couple of years. So then when he's maybe 27, 28, he'll be ready to be one of the league guys on a team looking to go and compete for titles. Yeah. And that's the question, right? So, I mean, if I'm going to play devil's advocate here, um, I I might objectively say that maybe no team should be offering Aiden the max right now. Because what does Aiden actually show that he is a player that has equity in a championship team to the level of a max player? that he is a super max level guy. Cause I mean, his, his own team wouldn't even retain him. His own team wouldn't even retain him. And that is kind of in this day and age unheard of. Like the, the Pelicans are giving Zion a max rookie extension. And he's played like six games, obviously kidding, but Aiton for a center, a pure center, pure five, look at the guys who are getting like max extensions there. I mean, it, you look at obviously Embiid, you look at Jokic, you look at Bam Adebayo, you look at guys who, I mean, I'm not saying that Aiden has to be Embiid, Aiden has to be Jokic in order to be worth a Supermax, and worth is such a tenuous term these days because it's just the market of the NBA, but for a team that's building for the future like the Pacers, can they, is, is this the guy that they need to get in order to take it to the next level and to, to build around? Because he has he really showed it? It's been four years. Has he showed it? He just played alongside two of the best guards in this league, and he was seen as a great piece to a championship core, not like their third star. Their third star was their depth, not Aiden. Yeah, I think that would be fair. I'd also argue, though, I think if they didn't get Chris Paul in – Obviously, I don't think they would have got to the finals like last year or been the best team in the league this year. But I believe that DeAndre Ayton would be a better player now and he would be already have got the max off of Phoenix. If you look what he did in his rookie year and then the first year that that Paul was there, the amount of shots he was getting was dropping off and little things like that. He wasn't having the big as big an impact as he did when it was just him and Booker and they were they were a losing team. Obviously, you don't want to be a part of a losing team, but I think the how quickly they changed from being a, a lowly team in the West to being a competitor has hurt uh, the development of Aiton's overall game. Yeah, and, and I get, you know, their system doesn't, like, their system is based on movement, is based on ball movement and, they want to play faster. They want to play more fluid. And that is what's made the Suns such a potent team, especially with all the wings they have. But, I mean, if we look at Rick Carlisle, like what has he done with his bigs in the past? Aiden's not going to be Dirk, no. But I think Rick Carlisle will value his face-up game more. And I guess the, quite, the bigger question is in the NBA landscape, how, how much offense do you run through a face-up big? Because that, that's – that's not very often these days. You don't see that very often. Like, is your super, is your best player, your your max player, DeAndre Ayton, is that first look you're going to give that it's going to be him facing up, him posting up? His post-up numbers have not been elite. His face-up game has got a little better. I'll, I will say that he went from, I want to say it was nearly 10% of his shots were from the mid-range in his first playoff appearance. And... Fast forward to this year in the playoffs, he shot well over 50%. It was on lower volume, but like his efficiency has definitely jumped. So potential is there. Look at his pick and roll numbers. 1.25 points per possession. That's 0.01 points away from Embiid. Actually, 1.01 points ahead of Embiid. So, I mean, he, he does have flashes of that. 
I just don't know if he has everything else to be a max player. And do you, I mean, as a pacer, it's like you just try to acquire talent. You, you do that to the best of your ability. And I think that at the end of the day, you're happy with it. But I think that there's a reason why the market's not super hot for him. Because I think a lot of teams are just thinking like, I'm going to save my money for something else. I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of teams will be thinking that. But in my mind, especially for the Pacers, I'm thinking this is a risk that is worth taking. Mm-hmm. But if you give him the money, you're going to be wanting him to get to, I'm kind of thinking maybe like LaMarcus Aldridge. I think that's sort of a sort of level that you want Fair, to, yeah. him to get yeah. to. I think that's yeah. like that's kind of a, a good marker for for his qualities to get to that sort of level. If they're going to offer him the money, he's got to put the work in and be able to be dominant in, in the mid-range and, and be able to create better looks if they play through him for the likes of, of a great three-point shooter like Mathurin and uh, and Halliburton as well. That I like. I mean, I like that comp. And <laughs> LaMarcus Aldridge is a seven-time All-Star. Long, long 15-year career. Um, and, I, and I think he, he does have the skills for it, for sure. Uh, let's talk about Miles Turner, though. If, if Miles Turner ends up being in this deal, and it's not just uh, an offer sheet, it's a sign-and-trade, do you think the Suns could be better off with Turner as opposed to Aiden? Not to say he's a better player, but just in terms of what he does. Yeah, as long as he's healthy, that's kind of the big, always the big thing mm-hmm. with, with Miles Turner. But, yeah, if he's healthy, I think that it, it could work better for what the, what the Suns want to do, and they will still have the rest of their core you think Booker can get better, uh, like the Bridges can get better. And with a guy like Turner, the guy's a freaking block machine, he'd be so dominant uh, as a rim protector and uh, and a lob threat. I think it could definitely really, that, that could really take them to another level because you wouldn't also have the worry that you kind of do with Aiden, where you think, oh, we need to get him that ball that bit more. You wouldn't have that same thought in the back of your head like with, with Turner. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Turner looks like because that I think both sides here can argue big improvement. So I, I think that the Pacers could talk themselves into featuring Aiton Moore as a face of big and to, to do all these things from the elbow, um, kind of maybe in a way that Sabonis did, except with the jump shot. I think they they'd project that he's going to be a much better shooter than Sabonis. But I think also, I mean, Turner said himself, I, I want to be – I want to be able to roll the rim. I want to be a true center. I want to be able to do those things. Um, and so I think the Suns, maybe you got all the playmaking there. Turner could find himself in a situation where he can finally do that. But that's a big question because when have we been able to actually see that? Um, and that, that would be interesting because look at his shooting numbers. Is his – because everyone looks at him as like a, a good three-point shooter. Is that fake? That, that seems pretty fake to me. I don't think that's real. Because you look at his numbers, he's shooting 33% for the year. Um, and the year before, shot 33%. Year before that, 34%. Um, in 2019, he shot 38%. That seems to be his lone high year. Year before that, 36 So it seems like this is kind of like the shooter that he is. And he had very little fluctuation on his free throw numbers. In fact, went back down this year to 75%. It feels like he's not like this elite corner shooter either. It's not like he's like a PJ Tucker shooting 40%. He's only shooting 35% from the right corner, 26% from the left corner, more of an above the break three kind of guy. I think the floor spacing uh, hypothetical for Miles Turner isn't as real as people think it is. So I think when it comes down to impact that we think about with him, if he's in a Suns jersey, it's mostly going to come from the defensive end as a rim protector. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that'll be where his big impact is. And that's where he should be looking to have his biggest impact because the defensive end is where his strengths lie and just kind of fill fill whatever ever gaps he can on the on the offensive end then because the, the defensive end is where his strengths are at. There's nothing wrong with just building yourself around being the best defender you can be because that makes you a very uh, very viable talent in the NBA. Yeah. Are we still are we still thinking that that uh that about cornerstones, teams and that believe in players that maybe they shouldn't. And then you turn your attention to the Utah Jazz. <laughs> they, they already traded away Rudy Gobert. 
it appears they're still looking to build around Donovan Mitchell. But is he a franchise cornerstone? Is he the guy that Utah should be looking to build around or should they be going full rebuild? So it's such a varied question, right? And like the accurate question would be to ask if if that's what Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz Conference or uh, organization believes. Um, I can't pick Danny Ainge's brain. I, you just have to think about the kind of players that he's valued over the years. What kind of players has he valued and what kind of players has he drafted? Uh, is he committed to an idea of Donovan Mitchell being that kind of guy? And that's that's a question mark. That's That's not... I don't think you can look in that situation and know for a fact that Mitchell is that kind of guy that they want to build around. Um, and anyone assuming that he isn't, I don't think that's the correct answer either. But I think purely, if you look at this from a, like a team building perspective, they just trade like Rudy Gobert was everything to them. Like he was their offensive system and their defensive system without all the screen setting that Gobert puts there, all the pressure that they put on the rim, they don't have all those threes created. They don't have all those lanes open. They don't have the defense that they had. Like they are in a major position here of rebuilding, especially now with a new head coach and a lot of new faces as well. With all this turnover, like I, I feel like you're in a position where even if Donovan Mitchell has, a, has another huge year, makes big improvements, maybe he's a better playmaker this year, commits more defensively, Say he has a heroic year and now you're like the 11 seed. Is that worth it? Like, is, is it worth it to be stuck in mediocrity with Donovan Mitchell? Cause that, that's what you're facing. What's your, what you're up against. So I, I think it would be insane to not even explore the market. And I think that's where the question comes. Like, should other teams be pursuing a trade? I mean, look what it just costs uh, Minnesota to get Gobert. Is another team willing to give up that sort of package for Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, I think I think a lot of teams should be thinking that. I mean, you just look at it from the point of Donovan Mitchell's career so far. He's five seasons with the Jazz. They've got to the playoffs every year. This is the best Jazz team we've seen since the Carl Malone-led team of the 90s. They've got to the playoffs each year. They've never been able to get past the second round. Donovan Mitchell has shown in glimpses that he can be a, a star lead guy on a on a playoff team. You think back to those battles they had with Denver that mm-hmm. where he just went off. It was unbelievable. But this is a guy who's going to be 26 to begin next season. And so far, he's has zero all NBA uh, all NBA teams. And obviously, no, we're not going to be doing anything on the defensive end. So he ain't getting near any of those uh, all defensive teams either. He's improved year on year. Last season, he was averaged 26 points, four, four boards, five assists on the team that, that finished with a 49-33 record. But has he done enough to really think we have to keep this guy and try again to build around him. They, they just didn't work with Gobert, but we can really rebuild around him. I just don't think they should, and I think they should be open to the idea of hearing offers from other teams because there are other teams around the league that could really do with a guy like Donovan Mitchell, not to be a team leader, but to be the elite scorer or elite second second guy on a team looking to compete for a title. Yeah, I think the it, it's going to come down to a matter of, of of value, like what, what team is going to value what he brings to the table. And I, I guess I'm just failing to see how <laughs> I, I, I think really hard about the Jazz and their situation with Hayward. Think about, the, think about this for a second. Think about what they went through trying to hold things together, keep Hayward in town, and lost him for nothing. And the, look at all these situations throughout the past few years of stars asking out. And the likelihood is that Donovan Mitchell, if, you're, if you were going to have to bet your life, if Donovan Mitchell will be in Utah in three years, what would you bet on? I want to say, yeah. I mean, I think, he, I think he's committed to that team, but. Your I life, Ronan. Think... <laughs> you doing okay? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think Utah might, uh, might think differently than uh, than Donovan Mitchell, and I think if he really has the ambition 
he would make try and try and make a move move this year because this is where his value is going to be is going to be pretty high. And you think of the likes of of Miami, Dallas. I think those are part of the two top teams where I think of they they have their lead guy, but they're looking for that elite number two, that elite scorer to be to be alongside that lead guy. I, I think there's going to be a team desperate enough. And I, I don't know if the Heat are that desperate. I, I don't know if they would really send everything. Like, would they really send, like, four picks for Mitchell? So I think that's that's the market right now, this summer. That would be the market, is you, you need to send a young prospect. So maybe you're sending Hero and picks. Um, I, I haven't even looked at the numbers, but, I mean, they, they'd have to send enough, enough – uh, salary to make that work i looked at but no matter I what at, i looked at hero robinson uh jovic their pick from this year mm. and then i guess it would depend what sort of value the jazz see that as and then you might possibly have to throw in an extra another pick or two on top oh of that. absolutely i think that's that's the stuff you don't get your foot in the door unless you have a minimum of two picks and and swaps two picks and two swaps feels like the formula to, to get your foot in the door and then you're talking then you're talking uh you know young prospect maybe they like Jovic they're obviously going to take hero they're going to Robinson is is money at this point probably salary filler we'll take that mm-hmm. but I mean if, if you're the heat <laughs> if you're the heat why don't you do that yeah I know it's just it's just that uh, they always rely on the heat to pull it out of the bag I think they'll They'll continue to to look to make moves. I think it's been rumored that they've they made an opening offer to get Mitchell, but it wasn't to the yeah to the Jazz's liking. Ainge is going to ask uh, Pat Riley for his like next grandchild. He's going <laughs> to ask him for his the keys to his house. I mean, you think about it, and you're in your in your head, you're kind of looking at it and thinking, as long as you keep Bam, Jimmy Butler, and I guess Kyle Lowry. You shouldn't. You should make this move if you're in the Miami Heat. Yeah, I, you can't. I I think look at what they've done with their G League system. What they've done pulling in guys from across the league and making them fit into their system. Like your your Caleb Martins, your Max Struces, your Omar Yurtsevins, all these guys. Your Gabe Vincents. Like they've pulled in productive guys to become rotation players to work alongside their stars. So I figured, I mean, they could they could be a team that could survive that. Now, now another team that I think would be desperate would be the Lakers. Like they they need they need to justify what's happening now. Like that that is just man, a scenario that we've avoided talking about, which I'm glad because it's just such a mess still. But if the Lakers emptied out everything that they had left in terms of draft capital, because that's honestly all that would matter at this point. What do they have left? <laughs> <That's their question>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think they could trade their first pick. They could trade would be 20, 2027. So it'd be like 2027 and 2029, which is insane. Cause that's, <laughs> that's literally seven years from now, but I mean, it, for, for a, you know, a rebuilding team, you, you don't know what's going to happen seven years from now. That could be a crazy, crazy pick just an asset in general. Um, what would the, I think the Lakers would be the kind of team to, to do that. Then they can offload Russ. And the reason why I love this idea is because imagine Russell Westbrook having to play in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> what would those home court games be like? <laughs> it would be like you, you'd have, you'd never have home court advantage for Russ. You'd just be like playing, playing away. It would be like playing for jazz fans all the time because you would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that would be pretty interesting. I just don't think that I just don't think the Lakers have the possible package to do it. I don't know, especially if they, well, they don't have like the young talent available to to include in the package either. They don't have the likes of a of a Tyler Hero or anything like that. I, I look at Dallas and I'm kind of thinking what they might have to give up. I think they 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 need a guy to come in and be a, a replacement for for what Jalen Brunson's gonna the, the gap he's gonna leave. Maybe look at like a uh, a picker, like I think probably two or three picks, and then like the likes of Hardaway, Pell, and then maybe Hardy that they uh, that they drafted this year, some, some something like that. I know that works money wise, but is that enough to 
to tempt the the Jazz, especially thinking it's another Western Conference competitor, they'll probably have to overpay just like the Minnesota Timberwolves did. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. It, it'll be funny when, now that we talk about it more. That at the end of the day, I don't think the Jazz will find value like they struck gold with Gobert and the Timberwolves. Hmm. So we'll look back on it and be like, how did you how did you trade Gobert for that? And you couldn't trade Mitchell for that. Because I don't think there are a lot of teams out there in that position. Like the Timberwolves, maybe, maybe they're awesome. Maybe they're like a f- top four seed and those picks are like, meh, they're fine. They're in the 20s. But maybe they, like it's not it's not entirely out of this world to think that they drop into the plan. That's that's very possible. And you're talking about valuable valuable picks there and i don't know what do you about what do you think about the knicks the the knicks i feel like the knicks are always connected to every star everywhere because they constantly think that somebody is going to come and save them so maybe this is nothing maybe it's something but have you given any thought to that no i just say no because i know we would have to give up rj barrett i'm 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 not ready to do that for for donovan mitchell even even if you didn't have to give up rj barrett Say it it costed you few like four picks swaps. We don't, we don't use that all unprotected. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you you had to you had to dump Randall and probably fill up most of the salary. Um and say just quickly. Is that is that still are you willing to mortgage the future for that? Probably. I'm not that wouldn't be too upset. Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell together in the backcourt. I mean, like that's, that's that's a pretty decent backcourt. I'm not saying it's going to take us to championship level or anything like that, but if we got a team <laughs> that that has Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, and Mitchell Robinson, and then whoever we find to possibly fill in if we were to give up Randall, then I'd look at it as a pretty decent move, especially given the the draft capital that we picked up. We probably just had to give a few of those picks as well, so we wouldn't be completely mortgaging our own future in that in that sort of case. So I think that would be an interesting move but in reality i just think the jazz would play hardball and try to get try to get rj barrett yeah you know i think what, what position of the Knicks in this point in this scenario because i think they're going to be dangerously in the middle and a guy like mitchell you don't want to give up you don't want to give a bear for him for sure but there's teams like the Knicks have to pick a direction and there's going to be teams like that that are going to be desperate enough to pursue donovan mitchell but that's that should get interesting i won't be surprised if he's you know he just plays a year out he still how many years does he have left in his contract three two four i think so four did it just kick in the super yeah just kicked i think in? it could think that, yeah i think it might just be okay. kicking in this year yeah yeah yes i mean they, they can be patient but it's, it's only a matter of time like i said if you had to bet your life on it i would not be betting my life on him being in utah by the end of the next few years would not I think I think that's pretty fair, and I would I would have to I think I'd have to agree with you. Moving on to another uh, another franchise cornerstone that uh, that's playing in the West that we might have forgotten about, considering he missed the entire 2021-2022 season. But looks like Zion's going to be back for the Pelicans, and just how good can they be with a healthy Zion Williamson leading this team? Yeah, that's. That's the biggest question, right? Because the Pelicans are our darling team, really giving the Suns a run for their money. I thought they might pull it off by, by the <laughs> end, but but man, they looked fun. They looked good. They looked together. And you think immediately, oh, you just add in a healthy Zion. Look what Zion did uh, when he was healthy last year. And then you just can assume that it's going to work out great. But I, I got to be honest, I, I do think there's going to be growing pains. I think there, I think there's some questions there. Um, here's why. Brandon Ingram has definitely improved as an off-ball shooter. So I'm not concerned about him. He shot 43% both in the field and from three-point range as an off-ball shooter. I think he, he deferred uh, well to CJ to let him play make a lot. Now you look at CJ, as an off-ball shooter, you're shooting 31% from the field and 32% from three. And that's not good. I mean, you're playing him off of Zion is a big question there. Because Zion as the pick, as a, the point four, that's what was exciting. That's, you know, the guy that brings the ball downhill 
and is really just collapsing the defense, good passer, maybe run some five out with him. So, I mean, having CJ just out there as a catch and shoot guy, like that's not what he does right now. And here's another thing too. Zion Williamson is a pick and roll big. He's only scoring 1.15 points per possession. That's overall put in all the stats as a pick and roll big. He's only in the 57th percentile. So you need, he has a lot of work to go to be a good pick and roll big there, which is something that I think he could synergize pretty well with uh, CJ McCollum. So I think there's just that dynamic in general. There is some things to suss out. Then you factor in, you know, the other shooting is, is Herb Jones, is that shooting real? Are you going to get improvements from the young guys as shooters, as you introduce a guy like Zion? Um, I think it should be fascinating to watch it work, work out, but I don't think it's going to be a marriage that just immediately yields dividends and they just start going on a crazy winning streak. I think it's going to take them a little bit of time to incorporate a guy like Zion into the system they have right now. Yeah, I guess we'll see how much uh, they obviously Zion has not played a, a game under this head coach, Willie Green, there because mm-hmm. uh, he only came in last year. And so obviously Zion's not playing. You, you wonder, was it always within his plans? Was he hearing from Zion and from, from the board above that Zion was going to stick with New Orleans? He was going to sign the contracts because we all saw the rumors throughout last season that he wanted out. He wasn't going to sign the deal, blah, blah, blah. So you wonder, did he design this team and the way this team is going to play knowing that Zion was going to be a part of it next season and knowing he was going to have to be kind of the the main part and the main aspect of this team. I guess we'll see how much that was in his plans in the, in the early weeks and how long it takes for this team to really come together and and improve. Because, I mean, they were only 36 and 46 last year. They obviously reached the playoffs by the playing. But adding an elite point forward like Zion, because he is capable of really dominating, we've seen that. Obviously, only in the one season, really, it was 2020, 2021 was the only season he really played. He played 61 games that year. But he can be a game changer, and he can play in that role. He can get more open looks for the likes of Ingram and CJ, and you think of even the likes of, of Hart and, and even Graham. That That's important because when you're playing through a guy like Zion, because Zion's not a, not a big shooter, he's got to improve. He's got to improve his shot to mm-hmm. be truly elite. But what he can do can help improve the guys around him. And you hope that you think even if there's growing pains, you got to think they're at least 10, 12 wins better off next season if Zion's healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think to answer your question about like the way the team's built, I think you you look at a a couple of guys that they've added to this roster. You have Larry Nance Jr. You have Jonas Valanciunas. And for different reasons, they complement him well. I mean, Larry, Larry Nance um, can play me. He's a guy that that could be passing from the elbow. And if you want to play Zion a little bit off ball, you have another big who can who can be a connecting piece, playmaking wise. You have Jonas Valanciunas, who I think is huge to to help him with size on the interior and to help get boards. If you want Zion to run in the open court. You look at who they drafted, Dyson Daniels. That's a perfect piece alongside Zion. Maybe not for the shooting. I mean, the shooting is a big concern there. Um, but I think with uh, with uh, Vincent, I, they just think they can turn anyone into a shooter, which, you know, it's <laughs> look at Lonzo. Mm-hmm. So Dyson Daniels, as an open court mate, is just a match in heaven for, for Zion. He's going to uh, – I think he's honestly going to replicate a lot of what Lonzo did in the open court, pushing up the ball – getting into Zion. I, th- I think they've set things up to use Zion to his full potential, not just as purely a point forward as uh, Sam A. Gunn to use them, um, but in, on many different facets of his game. So I, I think Willie Green has his hands full to use a star in multiple different ways, but he has so many different tools right now to get that to work. And then talk about the perimeter defense. I mean, just the Pelicans as a whole, not just about Zion, but I just mentioned Daniels and how good of a defender he projects to be and how good Herb Jones already is defender. Larry Nance, fantastic defender. Jose Alvarado, pesky, pesky defender. Pat Beverly type guy. They have got they have a lot of young players, rookies, 
who are going to be able to contribute. And you talk about the offense you get from, I think, I think uh, Najee Marshall could get better. I think you definitely need to see improvement for Trey Murphy, who was showing a lot of guts at the end of the season last year, especially in his game against the Lakers, where they, that game to basically kick the Lakers out of the play-in and get the Pelicans up. Like, they've got young guys with confidence, with swag, who know exactly what their role is. And this all comes down to Willie Green. I think Willie Green is going to be a very exciting story next year as they continue to improve as a team. And a lot of this is going to stem from how he's organized his team and used all these pieces that David Griffin has put together in this roster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think, what, what do you think the objective for the Pelicans will be in 2022, 2023? What do you think their aim will be this season? I mean, definitely to get back to the playoffs, I, I think I think their aim, and if you were to ask, if you were to ask them organizationally, I think their aim every day is just going to be to get there. They're in a position where they can get better. They're going to want to get better, learn how to play together, learn how to play with Zion. Cause that's the key because they're good without Zion. And if they can figure out how to synergize what they did this year with what Zion did when he was healthy, if they can synergize those two things and they don't get in the way of each other, that's the goal. It's open-ended. I know like you, you don't know, like, and teams will never be like, oh, we want to make the playoffs. Well, maybe some of them do, and that's a tough position to put yourself in, a la Sacramento Kings. But I think they know they can get there, and if they're just focused on getting better and figuring that out, dude, I, I, I would not be shocked if they're like a sixth seed next year. I think things could work out tremendously well for them. But I, I, I hesitate because you don't know how long these types of dynamics take to, to really work. It's a, it's a slow process to incorporate someone as important and as versatile and special, different as Zion is. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we also got to remember how, how, how much the West is improving uh, yeah. over, over this, uh, the course of this off season. So it's going to be tough for, for the Pels to stay in touch, but a guy like Zion can, uh, can absolutely help them do that. All right. Over oh back we've been dealing in the West. Let's head over for a bit of Eastern Conference talk. One of the big things that's been rumbling, obviously, we know KD has requested his trade. Whether that's just to try and get rid of Kyrie or something, I don't know. I guess we'll find out in the coming weeks. But a team that have really pushed up the the betting odds, especially in possibly pursuing a deal for KD and getting one that works, the Toronto Raptors. Now the question is, should they mortgage their future basically to bring Kevin Durant to Toronto? What do you think? Uh, a few words. I told you so. That's the first team I thought of, man. When, when this whole thing dropped, that was the first team I thought of. And I thought maybe I was a little crazy, but I just kept thinking of Kawhi. I kept thinking of what they did to get Kawhi. And obviously it was a different situation because they were trading to Rosen. And I think the key issue here that we have to answer is do you trade Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant? And maybe we have to get this out of the way. Like, do we let, let's assume, cause I think this is the key part of it. You just have to assume that Kevin Durant is okay with going there. Right. Cause I don't think, I think if you have this discussion, it ultimately comes down to, Hey, Kevin, like we can acquire you. This is our plan for this team. Would you want to come and play here? especially now that things are sitting, starting to get drawn out and there's not, you know, I, I don't think that enough teams have the right assets to actually make this work. So Kevin Durant may not just be able to magically go to the Suns. Like, I don't think it's going to work out like that. So if Kevin Durant tells Masai, you know what? Yes, I'm on board. So let's get that out of the way. Not the, if Kevin Durant's going to want to stay there. Then I'll put, then I'll throw it back to you. Do you do that? If Kevin Durant is like, yes, I'm on board. No. Still no. Okay, I'm tell me why. No. Because okay, tell me why. Judging off the fact that when the Timberwolves called, they asked for both Towns and Edwards and multiple picks. <laughs> yeah. If Toronto want to make a deal, they're going to have to give up probably Barnes and Siakam mm. and multiple first-round picks. And I don't think KD can come into that Toronto team if they're without Barnes and without Siakam and do what Kawhi Leonard does or did when he came to Toronto. I don't think he's able to do it. I think there's a reason why the Suns and the Heat were his two uh, 
favorite teams that he wanted to go to because they're not two teams where he'd have to come in and put the team on his back and do everything. The, you look at what the team would look like if that was the positive, the likely trade that you'd have Van Vliet, Trent Jr., the KD, then probably Chris Boucher and and Achua with the likes of like Porter Jr., Thaddeus Young coming off the bench. I mean, that isn't anywhere close to the quality of team that they had when they when they acquired Kawhi Leonard. So I think it would yeah. be a bad move for the Raptors. If it was just Barnes and a couple of first-round picks, then you might think about it. Uh, a tandem of Siakam and KD could really uh, could really cause some ruptures, but I think it would be a mistake for the Raptors to make a trade, to trade the, their rookie of the year and a guy who really looks like he could be a really capable talent on both ends of the court in this league and their already all-star Siakam to get a 34-year-old Kevin around. So when you put it that way, you know, that, that's not wrong. And I'm trying to remember, was that offer, what was was that offer before the Gobert trade? It was before they... I think so, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I think they called there before, yeah, before they made the, 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 the Gobert trade, yeah. So obviously, you know, I, I'd agree with you on that. On that cost, if you had to give up Scotty and OG, then no. Because I think, I think the question is, if the team left behind, like you said, is is a team that can win a championship. So, I mean, the, the way I picture this, and this is one trade that does work. I'm sure there's so many out there, but if Toronto sent Gary Trent Jr., Thad Young, Ken Birch, Scotty Barnes, 2023 pick, 2025 pick, 24 and 26 swaps, and you get KD throwing sharp for, for salary, that works. So you're getting Scotty Barnes. You're getting four picks from the Raptors and you're getting Gary, I'm, Gary Trent's a great young player. Mm-hmm. I, is that enough? If that is enough, am I crazy? I mean, that, that feels like a, a no brainer deal for, for the Nets. If Katie is gone, I don't see anyone offering anything better than that. I know they're asking for Edwards and cat, but are you going to get better than the rookie of the year? This incredibly not just intriguing because there's a lot of intriguing players like Lexi Pokashevsky is intriguing but Scotty Barnes is intriguing and has elite talent already like he's a, he's the kind of guy that can be like a game changer the way he plays and I think with the Raptors be willing to trade the potential of that for going for another championship that I think that that's the question. Like what what I think you have to go for, you have to go for the championship. I mean, if you if you can keep Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Kevin Durant, Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua has shown that I think he can play real, real minutes. If he gets better this offseason, I, I think he's growing into that. Obviously, that roster's not done. You got OPJ coming off the bench, you got rookies, and you got young guys, Ban and Watanabe. So you, they have work to do there. But that starting core of Fred VanVleet, OG, KD, Siakam, Nachua, can you argue yourself into thinking that that is something that the Raptors would be willing to rock with and go for a championship with? Yeah, 100%. They still have a great coach and Nick Nurse. I think the big thing for me was just thinking that they'd have to trade Siakam. If they can make a move for Kevin Durant and keep VanVleet and keep Siakam, I think I think then that that's something that they would – be very hard for them not to do. Yeah. And it's obviously tough because like, I mean, these organizations, like they have so much stock in those young players. Like it's not just like a pick, not just a guy who just went, like this is a guy that they're staking their careers on, that they're staking their their work on. And it means a lot. It means a lot more than just what they're doing on the court. It means they, they believe more than probably most people that these guys in their house, especially their rookie of the year, could be like a top five player in the league. I'm sure they I'm sure they believe that. So it's not like they're just giving up what objectively we see Scotty Barnes as. Like that value for him is probably through the roof. But I, I think I think if I, I miss I like you, you don't have the usual opportunity to trade for two top 10, top five players in the NBA once in your career. <laughs> I don't think any other GM would have been able to pull it off ever. And he's got a pretty good track record of uh, bringing a trophy home when he does it. So what could go wrong? 
Yeah, yeah, trust, trust in, uh, trust in Messiah. That's uh, that, that's for sure. But moving over to the Nets, what does the future hold for them? Like, have we at this moment in time? You're like, okay, they've they've made another mess by trying to rush the process towards building a, a championship caliber team. But, but at the moment, they still have KD and Kyrie, so uh, we can't really make that call. But apparently, KD wants out, and you have to think if KD wants out, then Kyrie is going to force his way, or the, the, they're just going to trade Kyrie anyway. So that's this the second time. Obviously, the first time is that stupid Garnett-Pierce trade that they made. That pushed them back a few years. Then they had the the probably the best year they've had as the Brooklyn Nets. with uh, It was a 2018-19 with... Uh, the likes of D'Angelo Russell, Dinwiddie, Levert, Allen, Joe Harris, and all that was just a fun, a fun team. team. Like, you really wanted to see where they could have gone from there, but instead they blew it up. They they signed KD and Kyrie. Then they added James Harden, thinking, "All right, we've got a, a legit championship core." Harden's already gone, and now it's looking like KD and Kyrie could both be gone too. Surely they know now. They just have to be smart and try and build through the draft, but at least one guy, all the best teams that you can look back on, the at least one of the top two talents on the team, they acquire through the draft. There's very yeah. few examples where you don't see that. They have to accept that and try and move towards doing that. Yeah. And I, I think no one's going to do revisionist history against the Brooklyn Nets and say, well, I hope you learned your lesson for getting Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden on your team because everyone on planet Earth would have done that and done anything to do it. And just um, unfortunate for them, I think fortunate for everyone else that that didn't work out because I think it's a perfect example of, you know, personalities matter, team building matters, and that, you know, this idea of a, an organically built team isn't just some old-fashioned notion of you know the a time that's passed and i'm glad to see teams that are organically built i'm I'm happy to see that celtics and the warriors they're both in the finals those are two teams that are built from the ground up so i hope that's what's what they approach with and look at what they you're, you're so right dude what, what they did was so impressive with you know jared allen what how he developed you know giving karis levert a chance and you know I, I think it's still questionable like what his career arc will end up being but talented player D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell was given a chance after not working out in LA and that, I think that's why that Brooklyn Nets team was so fun is because they just had this underdog competitive mentality and I don't know if, if you look at Brooklyn right now if, if everything goes as what we think it will go Kevin Durant gets traded and who knows what they get back but they will get back draft capital and they will hopefully they should get back a young player a young, promising player like Scotty Barnes. If it's not Scotty Barnes, someone like him. And then what do you have left? Cam Thomas? I mean, if, if that's a guy you can develop, he's got offensive talent. He just needs to mature, and he just needs to grow as a player. And then you got this guy named Ben Simmons. For all the things people want to say about Ben Simmons, this is still a guy nothing has physically changed about the fact that he should be a top 15 talent in this league before we even saw his top 10. And I, I don't know if that version is still there for the taking so much can change over the course of years, but you just have to remember what he's done when Embiid is off the floor for Philadelphia, when he was the featured guy, what that looked like. And I think for him, that's what he wants. He does want to embrace a role like Giannis. He wants to embrace a role like Embiid. He wants to be a go-to guy. And if he gets a chance to do that in Brooklyn, maybe something special happens. Maybe this is truly a new start for a guy like that. So, you know, there are situations, there, there are scenarios where Brooklyn didn't get the championship parade that they wanted, but maybe they get back a version of their team that they felt connected to when they had that Kenny Atkinson squad. They had guys who had chips on their shoulder with something to prove. And who better than Ben Simmons, who has so much to prove to the league right now to reenact that kind of situation yeah yeah i think i totally agree and i'd love to see ben simmons be able to be the lead guy in a situation where there isn't really any pressure on him especially Mm -hmm. in year one and they still have a great core of guys around him you think they still have harris 
Thomas, uh, they added Royce O'Neill, they got Paddy Mills, they got Seth Curry, Nick Claxton, even that without whoever they might be able to to bring in for uh, for KD and possibly Kyrie as well. So there's still a good core of players here. And to think that Simmons could kind of just get the reins and you just say, you go out, go out and do your thing out there. It's the perfect situation for him to come back into the league after the mess that last season was and not playing and everything else. That's the sort of situation he needs to be in to really see if he can, if he can still be that guy, the, the, the lead dominant guy on a team. And then they could possibly even be able to add in a, another young star alongside him. They've, they aren't starting from square one with, with that sort of situation at all. They're, yeah. they're, they're a bit further along the line. Maybe they're not at the level they would be if they have KD and Kyrie, but they're not as far back as, as you would, you would think with losing uh, guys like them. Yeah. Hot, hot take. Oh, so they, they also added TJ Warren. Let's remember that hot take here. Seth Curry, Joe Harris, TJ Warren, Ben Simmons, insert other big say it's honestly say it's scotty Barnes. if it, even if it's not scotty Barnes, but but insert other other talented big i think that's if ben simmons is the the guy that he was and i have no reason to believe he won't be which is a playmaking big who gets downhill and he's always ever since he got into league he's always been at the top of the league usually leading at three-point shots created. He has Joe Harris and Seth Curry, two of the top five three-point shooters in the league. TJ Warren's a, a great uh, release valve as an individual scorer. I, I, I think that honestly could be a really good team. I mean, the, the depth, maybe the depth probably isn't there right now, but if they can get back enough from Kyrie and KD, that's a fun team. And I think that team makes a playoffs if, if Ben Simmons is firing on all cylinders. I mean, as a two-way player to unlock all that, I, I really don't doubt that that's like a fun play-in team that makes a little bit of noise in the first round. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I would I would absolutely totally agree with you. And now it's uh, just now, now we just got to play the wait and see and see if Katie and Kyrie both go, what they might get back for them. But for now, I think we've, we've said all we can say and uh, hopefully some there. Uh, Things will change over the next over the next days and weeks, and we'll be able to to dive into it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, but bookmark this July eleventh. What are the odds that we talk about this next year? Katie never left, Kyrie never left, and they sweep whoever they see in the finals. Because I just named that team without Katie and Kyrie. You just add Katie and Kyrie. That's a pretty crazy team right there. Yeah, I think that's definitely a championship caliber team, all right. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. We'll just wait and see. But until then, guys, thanks for joining us for another episode. Hopefully something happens. We need some news. We need more bombs. We need more Woj bombs. But everyone, continue enjoying Summer League. Go check out Kenny Lofton Jr. If you have not, you've got to see it. That's the show of the summer. And until then, Ron, it's always good talking to you. Take care. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.